Hi, welcome to another edition of Hawk Off the Press after the final score. I'm John Steppe, the incoming Gazette Hawkeye football reporter, and I'm joined by Leah Van, the outgoing Hawkeye football reporter. Leah, it was a, let's say, an interesting game here today. It was interesting. It was slow. I felt like Iowa probably should have dominated this game a lot more than it did. But I think also when you're playing non-conference opponents, you can tend to play down to the competition. I know they say they don't. I know no team is going to admit that they did. <laughs> but I, th I think, you know, it is the second week in a row where you're playing a non-conference opponent. It's like, okay, where's the energy? Where's the edge? You know, it's not like the first two weeks of excitement that Iowa just had. No, and you look ahead, too, and there's a shortened week. And, you know, as much as they'll say that that doesn't affect their preparation for Colorado State, you have to think that they are thinking ahead to a Maryland team that isn't necessarily a powerhouse, but a team that could potentially give you a little bit of trouble if, I mean, that one day less of preparation for them. So maybe there was a little bit of looking ahead today. Maybe. And I think also we were checking the Maryland-Kent State score at halftime, which Maryland was up on, already had 24 points on Kent State at half. And, you know, by comparison, I, I don't remember Iowa being the same. No. And Iowa had a little bit of a slower start, but then I think it ended up being around the same score in the end. I think Maryland was like 37 to something when it came to that game against Kent State. And, you know, Iowa obviously beat Kent State 30 to, um, what was it, 7? Yes, 30 to 7. 30 to 7. It's See, a late all, night here. They are Canada. all running together, y'all, all the games. <laughs> we just we just had to re-record this because we were talking about, I was like, when was the last time Iowa allowed 14 points by an opposing team? And I remember, oh, yeah, Iowa State got 17 points on Iowa. But Indi Indiana... Just turn the calendar back to... Indiana weeks. only got six points on Iowa. So, you know, um, but Iowa has still gone 26 games without allowing 25 points. So there yeah. you go. And you really look at it, that second half defense looks good today. The first half, not so much where I kind of looked at the third down conversions for Colorado State between the first half and the second half. And on paper, you would not think that the same defensive unit was out there in the second half that was in the first half. Nine for 13, Colorado State was on third down in the first half. And then two for 10 in the second half. You know, you win a lot more games at that 9 for 13 rate than you do at that 2 for 10 rate. Oh, certainly. And they really did. Um, Trey McBride, who was obviously a huge concern, that big tight, one of the top tight ends in the country who plays for Colorado State. I know he was a big, um, he was going to be a tough guy for them to even like, um, you know, for them to even uh, replicate in practice to compete against and then let alone play in real time. But they did, I think he got no, he didn't get even over 100 yards today, which was like his first game that was not 100 yards in a while. I, I checked it back to, I checked it back to like last season, but I don't remember the number. So they did a good job of closing him out, but he still had a couple of good plays. Yeah, and you think about it too, you wonder, okay, if maybe some of that extra attention drawn to him maybe allowed for some other plays to happen. I will say their quarterback was like their leading rusher for a while. Yes. It is a team that likes to run the ball, and they will use all of their tools, including their quarterback, 
And they had a couple third down pickups there that were really nice. And I think part of that, too, was he was just bailing on passing plays. When you're mm -hmm. bailing on passing plays and then, you know, all the defensive guys are in coverage, he's like, well, look at this wide open space in the middle. And he did that a couple of times. He got a third – he got like a third and 15 conversion in the first half, and that's kind of what fueled one of their drives, too. And then, you know, he had he, – he tried for some deep passes in the first half that were a little bit ambitious. They did not work for him. But Some um, of those I was thinking, what was he – expecting to happen on that one you know mad respect though because you know, you just go for it you're playing yeah. the number five team in the nation and you're, with an excellent experienced secondary and too. you're in the mountain west you're like i mean if we lose this game we're expected to lose it so yeah. we might as well go and throw like 40 yard bombs that are not at all accurate yeah um, there's really nothing to lose in a game like this for colorado state and i think they earned a little bit of respect here with the way that they hung in with Iowa for so long. You know, second half, not so pretty, but I don't think there are many Mountain West teams who'd be going into halftime against the number five team in the country I with think, a yeah. touchdown lead. Well, and I think the most uh, impressive thing about Colorado State was the way they eliminated Iowa's running game. Yeah. I mean, I know that Tyler Goodson did have 57 yards net gain, but, you know, then, you know, if you look at the team rushing yards, it's at, like, 54 because Spencer had, like, a negative 17-yard play. And then Charlie Jones, I think he, like, fumbled it and then had to go backwards and recover his own fumble for a negative 13-yard, you know, a 13-yard loss. So then and those you, add up. Those add up. And so then, you know, the whole, the whole entire rushing unit amassed only 54 positive yards. <laughs> look at Iowa being this passing team all of a sudden here today where they had what 224 passing yards I don't think many people would have expected if you would have given the number 54 and the number 224 and said one is going to be passing yards one is going to be rushing yards I don't know maybe you even have that flipped a little bit well and I think that this is a second week in a row that Spencer has thrown for over 200 yards so he is Showing a little more of that. He did get his first pick today in 167 passes, according to Michael Loss, our col columnist. We're giving him full credit. <laughs> he was a little upset when <laughs> we did it earlier tonight. Yeah, he gave us a little bit of a hard time for that one. So, yeah. yes, Mike gets all the credit on that one. But it was a I main win is a win. A win is a win, and I think that's what all the players were trying to tell us was like, you know, we know it wasn't pretty, but uh, we'll make it prettier next time when we play in the Big Ten. So, I mean, that's the hope, at least. Um, John, what were some of your takeaways from this offense? I mean, we got to see a lot of young guns today. Yeah, I really loved what I saw from Keegan Johnson. I mean, a guy who hadn't had a college catch before today, and now he's a reliable deep threat for this Hawkeyes team. And he has more 40-plus yard plays than any other receiver does for Iowa. Any yeah. of them combined, because he had two and only one had happened before today. Right. So that's something that I think a lot of people thought was missing from that Iowa offense. I thought that it was kind of missing when they're kind of going for these short passes and you're kind of wondering, hey, eventually you're going to need a deep threat. And I think Keegan Johnson answered that. 
You know, it's funny because Iowa has talked for weeks and like even Brian Ferentz said this to us in spring practice. Yeah, big plays are great, but they're risky, right? They're less accurate. What kind of play does Spencer get an interception on? I just want to say this on record. A freaking screen, y'all. A screen play, a okay? Pass that was maybe two yards past maybe. the line of scrimmage. Maybe. maybe. And it was like, I mean, it was a tight little, like, fit. I mean, it didn't really look like it was a good read. But Spencer actually looked better throwing deep. Yeah. You know, and then like, or at and least maybe not I better, think. but he looked good throwing the ball deep today. And I think that this offense should feel a lot more confident in giving him that kind of reign. Yeah, and I think some of it, too, is you look at Colorado State, they're a team that's really good in that front seven. So I think that is some of it, where, okay, the opportunities aren't really going to be kind of like a week ago where Tyler Goodson was kind of breaking out for some big plays, where this is going to be a team that you're going to beat Colorado State probably a little more so via the air. Um, so I think some of that goes down to that. But it shows that, hey, it's a it's a kind of tool in the toolkit here for Iowa's offense that we really hadn't seen. And based on even my Twitter mentions, I think people have been waiting to see. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously fans want the big explosive plays. And even Spencer was saying you have a 60% chance of scoring when you have those kinds of big plays on your drives. Now, he says 60%, right, because that second one by Keegan, you know, a couple plays later he gets that interception. But, you know, um, I, another person that I think we sometimes are guilty of neglecting week to week is Nico Regani, yeah. who had a 38-yard reception today. Last week he had a 48-yarder. So he's also kind of one of those deep threats that Iowa doesn't always use. Charlie Jones is always pretty reliable in the slot, too, and he's kind of the guy who can pick up a couple extra yards after same with Tyrone Tracy. I wish they would use Tyrone Tracy a little bit more, too. But He didn't get the ball much at all. I think it was two no. targets for one reception. But And then he did get that running play for a touchdown, yes. which was good for him. I think he needed that kind of boost of morale because knowing Tyrone Tracy from the interviews that we've had this week, he's been, he's been feeling a little disappointed in himself. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like there was more that he wanted when we talked to him on Wednesday. And... You know, good for him to get that touchdown. Um, we'll see. The interesting thing, I think, with this wide receiver group is it could be somebody different every game. They have a lot of targets. Because there's so much depth. Yeah, they have a lot of targets. Uh, it's just funny because they're not in on every play, right? Like, yeah. they're, they're playing a lot of, you know, no, they're just playing a lot of, like, you know, they'll put three receivers out and a couple of them are there to just block for a screen. So, you know, I mean, it's... It's one of those things where it's a competition for playing time, um, for sure, in that receiving core, and I don't know how they feel about it. I mean, we did see Jackson Ritter had a pass, uh, had a reception last week, too. So, um, yeah, we see a lot of different names coming yeah. up week to week. Sam Laporta had a much bigger week this week than he did last week. And now he knows not to spin the ball. Yeah. So he learned it. Kirk Ferentz learned it. I learned it. I don't know about you. Maybe you already knew that spinning. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's new to all of us that spinning the football will result in an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Right. 
And I mean, come on, we're letting the NFL celebrate, but we're not going to let the college kids celebrate, who are probably, quite honestly, a lot more creative, number one. Number two, it's college. Let them party. <laughs> let them celebrate the touchdowns. Apparently not here. In Iowa City, which if you ask the FS1 broadcaster today is the capital of Iowa. So I don't know how you come oh. to that conclusion, considering it hasn't been the capital for of Iowa for more than a century, I think. So You know, you'd think as a journalist, like, he'd do his research. You would think he also, what was it? He called Justin Jacobs, Justin Jenkins. Or Justin Jacobs, even though it's Justin. I mean, I know it's like a, I know it's a subtle thing, but when you're but, a beat writer, you like know, you're like, ooh. And Jacobs and Jenkins. Yeah. That's, Come on. That's way off. Way off base. You're not even in the right neighborhood. Yeah. I, it's just, hey, you know, um, TV, man. Yeah. TV. There are some good TV reporters out there, okay? <laughs> We're just making fun of this one dude. So. Yes. Well, Leah, it's been a great time. Your final, after the final score podcast. Dang. So. Wow. I, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> this is an abrupt ending. Even though I know it's been 13 minutes. It's been a hell of a 13 minutes. It's been a hell of an eight <laughs> months. Um, am I allowed to say hell on the podcast? Why not? You think Nathan will bleep it out if it's inappropriate for me to say hell on the podcast. I've now said it three times. They can't fire me. I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like far worse things have been said in previous iterations, previous generations of Hawkeye football podcasts. Well, so I think know, we're probably okay. You know, I really want to end this on talking about special teams. <laughs> um, because I really like special teams. And I don't think I'm going to see special teams like this for a while. Uh, shout out to Charlie Jones, who had four punt returns for 66 yards along of 38. Uh, as far as kick returns, I don't have all of the stats, but his longest was a 24-yard return today. So, again, a big difference maker as far as field position. I really liked that 38-yarder. I felt like, you know, he's fast. Not the fastest guy in the world. He's just incredibly smart with his mm -hmm. footwork. And I was really impressed. If we go back and watch that play, I could go back and watch a million times. He really reads his blocks well on yeah. that return. Uh, Tory Taylor, not not our favorite punting day out of Tory Taylor. No, what was that? 22-yarder that he had today? That, one that really brought so down great. the average, but he did have a 61-yarder. Which is not quite the 69-yarder he had a couple weeks ago. But it's fine. He he will come back on top. What about the Colorado State guy? Do we have his on hand? Yeah. The Colorado State punter was something to be seen. He was something else. Yeah. And the consistency here. I'm putting Seven new, punts. Yep. 51.1 yards on average. The longest one was 59 yards. Okay, 59. And three inside the 20. So not quite... Ryan Stonehouse's, it was an 81 or 82 yard punt against Vanderbilt. So he's had better ones, but you look at it, he started today third in the FBS for average yards per punt. And you see why. Yeah. That well, consistency, it helped Colorado State, I think, in the field position game. And maybe that kind of kept them in it a little longer. Iowa also pinned a uh, punt down on the one today. That was Terry Roberts, one. special teams All-American, as we call him here. 
uh, or Scott Doctorman. He, uh, I think he coined the phrase uh, last week. He's yeah. been knocking on the door here if he's overhearing us using his term there. Yeah, you know, so. I, I just gave him credit. Yeah, I just gave yeah. him credit. It's <laughs> fine. Uh, but, yeah, Terry Roberts had that big play today. And then, you know, I think everybody was wanting that safety um, when uh, – when their running back got tackled in the end zone, but I think the rule is is they have to like not at all cross the line. Yeah, so, you know, it's been a testing like of the rule book knowledge today between yeah. the spinning of the football, what exactly counts as safety versus not safety. There's also that so. like there was that weird third and eleven play where they measured it like five million times to finally give it to Colorado <laughs> State. And I really thought he was short by at least two yards. That yeah. pass by Tra- that reception by Trey McBride. And part of it too is McBride does do an excellent job of at the very last second extending himself really well. It's something I noticed against Toledo too, where it's like, wow, there are three defenders around him, in all probably within five yards of him. And he somehow squeezes in another nine yards. Like, mm-hmm. so some of that might be. The, just the fact that Trey McBride, I mean, he's going to be playing in the NFL soon. It's yeah. just a matter of fact. Unless he has some crazy injury, it kind of seems almost inevitable at this point. So maybe that one is a little different. But non-conference officially, but not really non-conference for our rules knowledge. Yeah. Well, we've got more to say, but... I'm going to leave it to John and to to kind of wrap this up. And um, I just wrote a story about Jack Campbell, who had a career high of 18 tackles today. I think John wrote about Keegan Johnson. Yes, I did. So you can read that as well online at thegazette.com. Yeah. So. Uh, we're putting it behind the paywall. So Yes. And then Pay we'll, for local journalism. Uh, but, John, it's been a pleasure. Pleasure's been all mine. And I wish you the best of luck on this beat. It's been an unforgettable eight months. And I've learned so much. I really do enjoy covering this team. Can't believe we got the personal shout-out from Kirk Ferentz today. Yeah, you got quite the shout-out there. Yeah. He appreciated your women's basketball article. He also asked me for her contact uh, information, The Sarah Bard, who's in my article, (laughs) one of his original basketball players. He was like, oh, by the way, can you give me her number? I'd like to call her. So, uh, you know, that's testament to who Kirk is. He's just trying to connect with all these people from his life and – um, probably hasn't heard from her in a while. So that'll be a nice, yeah. that'll be a nice phone call when that time comes. It's truly like an Iowa thing is these people never leave you, even if you try to leave them. And I learned <laughs> that the first time I left Iowa and then I came back. I promise y'all though, I'm probably not going to move back, but I will be back period because I have two weddings so far that I know of that I have to go to within the next year. And I think there's a third one on the horizon. So truly I am never actually leaving behind Iowa. It's like, what is it? Like Hotel California, you can check in, but you can never really leave. What is it? So, well, we could talk for another hour here, but um, Leah, thank you. Um, To our listeners, thank you. I will be back with Mike from College Park next Friday. Before then, tune into another episode of Hawk Off the Press with a couple special guests.